Uh, if you guys would join with me first thing this morning, we're just going to go into God's Word. Um, if you would stand with me for the reading of this passage from Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> we'll be starting in verse 38. If you have your Bibles, you can, um, you can follow along um, if you don't hear on the screen. Matthew 5, starting in verse 38. You have heard the law say, that says, The punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say... Do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight both to the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are only kind to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Let's pray. God, this morning, as we continue through uh, this incredible passage that you've given us, um, this is where the rubber meets the road. You are you're summing up a, a portion of this passage. You are calling us to a different life, a life that is no longer something that we live within ourselves, but truly a God life. Open our eyes, our hearts this morning. Help us to leave here no longer consumed by the people that we were when we came in, but help us to leave changed, free to serve you, to love you, and to point people to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat. So we all have this, this internal sense of, of justice, don't we? We all have this, this idea that when you see something happening, you think, that's not right, that shouldn't happen, I should do something about that. And, and sometimes that's a great thing. Sometimes it's not. And sometimes we take issues of fairness or rightness or justice into our own hands. When I was in third grade, I got beat up every day. Every day. We go to recess, and these three guys, and, and um, we're, we're friends now, so I'm not going to say their names because this will be online. But these guys would beat me up every day. One of them would literally take off his belt. How many third graders do you know that wear a belt to school? I mean, think about this. But he, I, I think he might have done it just for me. He would take off his belt, and I would literally get hit with a belt. I mean, they would chase me around. And now I want, I want to just pause for a minute. How does that make you feel? How, just think about this for a minute. That I was getting literally whooped every day. Okay, I would go home crying and my mom would do the mom thing, and my dad would do the dad thing. And one day my dad said, Dave, the next time that someone hits you, I want you to hit them and hit them and hit them, and don't stop until somebody pulls you off. How does that make you feel? Yeah, that's how I felt too. I was like, okay, yeah. So the next day, I'm at recess, and this kid takes a basketball, and from about me to these microphones away, hauls back and just clocks me in the back of the head with a basketball. And I turned around, and I saw red. 
And I jumped on this kid, and I hit him, and hit him, and hit him, and hit him, and hit him. I was tired of hitting him before someone pulled me off. I could barely swing my arms. That's how many times I hit this kid. How does it make you feel? See, part of me felt pretty good about that. Part of me didn't. And this whole idea of rightness, we do a pretty good job, don't we? We do a pretty good job at living right. According to God's word and the things that he says, most of the time, we do a good job at living right. But something happens. See, when you get squeezed, what's inside comes out. When you're not being squeezed, you can do a pretty good job at at putting up an exterior and living um, with with patience and, and kindness towards others. You can even do a pretty good job at tolerating those that bother you. You can do a good job with all those things, but the moment you get squeezed, the moment that things get really pressurized, What's really inside of you comes out. I want to ask Marcus to come up. Um, we were talking about this a little bit this week, and, and so I want him to come up, and he's just um, going to share his opinion on this. So, so Marcus, when it comes to this whole idea of this passage that we read and, and living this way and, and tolerating certain things that would drive us crazy, going above and beyond, what's your opinion of that? Well, I was just thinking the other day about... Okay, how'd that make you feel? Mm. Very angry. (laughs) Now I want to hurt you. (laughs) I'm sure you do. Let me get your glasses. (laughs) Um, Here's your glasses. Thank you. Y'all, I don't want you to go home angry. (laughs) We agreed upon that. That I was going to slap Marcus. I want you guys to give Marcus take a, one for the team, baby. Right, give Marcus a hand. But when I slap Marcus, there was some reactions that happened here. Okay, okay. Some of you were like, "Oh snap!" Right? Like, what's going to happen next? There was some of you that, to break the nervous tension, you laughed. Right. But all of you felt something in that moment. You're like, oh, man, it's about to go down. Something is going to happen. He just hauled off and slapped the worship pastor. Okay? Good thing he's a, he's a, a kind and gentle guy because I think he could take me. But we all have this idea that something should happen in that moment. Okay? I didn't slap you. Okay? But you felt something. There was an internal sense of rightness. Even though I wasn't slapping you personally, you still felt a little bit of a squeeze. Something should happen. Something needs to happen. Something's going to happen. So I slap him once. I ask him, how do you feel? I slap him again. Okay, now it's just plain wrong. Okay? One was permissible. Two is just out of hand. In this passage, though, Jesus, oh man, I hope you guys get this. Um, at the end of this passage, if you guys are looking at this, if, if uh, up there, if you guys could go to verse 48, I want to show you guys something really fast. Right here it says, at the end of this, but you are to be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. 
And I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Most, most passages, um, different translations of the Bible, this is the, the NLT that we're, that we're looking at. Most passages or, or translations of, of this particular portion of Scripture say, Therefore, you are to be perfect, just as your Father in Heaven is perfect. And, and I've, I've taught students for a long time. Okay, and, and one of the things I always teach students, and it's, it's applicable to you today, if you've never thought about this before, it's a good little tool when you're reading the Bible. When the Bible says, therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. Okay? There's something here that Jesus is wrapping up. Okay? And, and if you look back, this therefore that he says at the end of verse 48 goes all the way back to Matthew 5, 3. When he starts with the Beatitudes and says, Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. And for 45 verses, get this, don't miss this. Jesus takes this brush and with big strokes, with artistry and precision, paints a picture of the very heart of God for us. You want to know God's heart? 45 verses in Matthew chapter 5 tell us exactly. Jesus says, This is the God life. You want to know what it looks like to live out the heart of God in this world? This is it, right here, 45 verses. And if you can nail this down, you've got it. This is the heart of God. The problem was, Jesus' audience at this point were Israelites. Israelites, up to this point, when Jesus shows up on the scene, were rule followers. They had laws upon laws upon laws in their books. And the thing that they actually did the most was they made other laws to prevent from the real laws being broken. So there was tens of thousands of laws on the books just to prevent from a few things happening. And so Jesus sits down with them in 45 verses, begins to say, blessed are those who do this, and this is contrary to your belief. And he gets to the, the last, these last 10 verses, 38 through 48, and he starts to say, you've heard it said. And he contradicts all these things. And, and, and you have to understand something. Jesus is not coming. We've talked about this before. Um, Alex talked about this weeks ago. He's not contradicting the law. He's saying for a time of your life you needed the law, but I have come to fulfill it. I'm come to give you the full picture of what it really looks like to live within the way that God has designed and created us to live. And this, this passage is really difficult, isn't it? You look at this and it says, um, <laughs> love your enemies. If someone takes your shirt, give them your coat too. If someone tells you to walk a mile, go too. This is not, this is not easy stuff. And I said this before, we can all do this for a period of time on our own strength, right? There are times where you exercise patience when someone ticks you off. You, you exercise patience when that, when that person asks you to do something really big for them, and you know, you just know that you really need to go that extra step. And so you do it, but you, inside you're just kind of like, and you're getting a little, bit, a little bit squeezed, right? And then on that same day, you go home, and, you're, and your kids, right, your kids are out of control, and, and your kids almost feel like they're enemies. They're not working for you. They're working against you. And that squeeze inside gets a little bit more, and you're just, uh, and you're getting upset. And then the phone keeps ringing. 
And it's people wanting this and wanting that or wanting you to buy this. And you get a little bit more squeeze. And then your wife or your husband says something and it's really not that big of a deal. Right? But for some reason, because of all the squeeze that you have felt as the day has continued, for some reason when they give you that little request of theirs, you just blow it. And you start yelling. And things get blown out of proportion. And all of a sudden, your ability to live a God life is out the window. Because when you get squeezed, what's inside comes out. I want to be honest with you guys this morning. This whole idea of perfect, um, it really bothers me. I look at this passage of scripture and I'm like, well, that's just not fair. That is not fair that God would say, you're to be perfect, just like I'm perfect. Thinking, well, that I'm, forget it. I might as well just give up on the whole thing because I'm never going to be perfect. I don't usually get intellectual, okay? But I had to. I had to know when this when this verse says perfect. What does God really mean when Jesus said this? The very words of the Son of God when He said this. What did it mean? So we're going to have just a little bit of a Greek lesson this morning, okay? We don't do this often. It's for the intellectuals in the room, okay? But just humor me because with understanding comes wisdom, okay? And I want you guys to leave understanding what God is really requesting of you this morning, okay? I want you guys to repeat after me. Teleos. Telos. Okay. Telos means, in Greek, goal. It means to have a, 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 an objective, and, and, and teleos is, is a, a, you know, it's, it comes from the word telos, and it means having accomplished the goal. And a lot of times, if we can look, at, there's, there's other areas in, in Scripture that this verse, or this word is used, this word teleos, and what it's really saying to us is this. Therefore, you are to be complete. Therefore, you are to be full of maturity. You, you are to have accomplished this goal because, and this is really amazing that Jesus says this here, because I, wanna, I want you guys to understand what he's really doing here is he, is he is laying the groundwork for 45 verses saying this is the God life. This is how you live it out. This is how people see God in you as you live. He is helping the Israelites and those who hear this word to understand you can't do this. It is impossible for you to do. Because what Jesus has not yet accomplished here, as he's just begun his earthly ministry, is he has not gone to the cross yet. He has not been resurrected yet. But he lays something heavy on these people. And he, he doesn't stop here. I mean, we're, we're going to continue over the next several weeks of, of continuing through this Sermon on the Mount. And there's more. And it doesn't get easier Imagine how people felt when they left hearing all this stuff. This is how you need to look. This is how you need to live. This is who a person who lives in the power of God, this is what they look like. Imagine how they felt. Okay? They felt pretty much like we do when we read this and think, that sounds really great, but I'm never going to be able to do that. I'm going to be quick this morning. We're actually going to end in, in, in some worship, uh, some time of celebration I want you guys to take some time to really dig deep on this. I want, to, I want you to have some time to do business with God. So let me just, I want to explain something to you guys. We're going to wrap it up. 
But if you guys could look at Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3.18. I have read this passage, I don't even know how many times. And the, the usual context in which I have seen this passage um, has been in, in some kind of like a vision or a mission statement for a church. Um, and I don't know why. I've been, you know, I've been a church kid my whole life. I don't know why. I've never thought about it from a different perspective. But when I was studying this week, this kind of jumped out at me. See, when, when God calls us, we're going to read it in just a second, but when God calls us to live the way that he, that he lays out in Matthew chapter 5, when he does that, when he calls us to be perfect, what he is doing is he's continuing to be God. God is always God. He's never any less, and he can't be any more because he is God. God does not lower his standards to accommodate us or to stroke our egos because he's God. He calls us up to him. Perfection is something that only can come from God. And when I participate, when I participate in any of the things found in these verses, when I love my enemies, when I pray for them, when I give somebody my shirt and my coat, when I go the extra mile for somebody, what I'm doing is I'm participating in the things that God has said, this is the kind of life that you are meant to live. And I come into it, and I go out of it, and I come back into it, and I go out of it. Ephesians 3.18 And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete to lay us. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I've always thought about it within the context of the church. And wouldn't it be a miracle if God were to do that among a a group of church people? But you want to know what the greatest miracle is that we see from this passage? The thing that we could pray and beg God for the most is for God to do that miracle in us, in you. Because when God does that in you, and you, and you, and he does it within a collection of people, his church is ignited. People begin to realize this God thing, it's not just something cliche. These people are for real. Look at how they live. It doesn't even make sense. Why would somebody like that spend time with somebody like me? Why would they be so generous? Why would they do these things? The only explanation left is Jesus. It's because God is actively living inside of this person and this church.
These 45 verses where Jesus paints this beautiful portrait of the heart of God is only accomplished when we decide that the way that we live, our sense of rightness and our ability to handle the pressures of life, our ability to handle the great requests that come. Look, this is a broken world. Broken. There's a lot of hurting people. Some of you right now are hurting. And you need somebody to go the extra mile for you. Some of you are living in a time of blessing and abundance. And you have the ability to go the extra mile. You won't even see the people that are hurting if you are focused on the life that you think you should be living. You won't even see it. And if you can't even see it here in this, in this room with the people that we're, that we're sitting next to or across from today, you'll never see it in the world. The only way to live this is for us to understand that our life needs to be dropped. Our life is, is of no merit. We talked about this at Easter. You are a new creation. You've been given a new life, and with that becomes new eyes. I want you guys to, to, to just settle in on this, and this is where we're going to close. When you see as God sees, you do as God says. When you see as God sees, you do as God says. And the only way for you to see as he does is for you to let go of the eyes that you think you need to look at, the person next to you, your spouse, your children, your coworkers, the person at the grocery store, whoever it may be. When we see as God sees, we will find ourselves doing as God says. Matthew chapter 5 3 through 48 is about a life of obedience, not out of guilt or obligation, but Jesus died for you and for me. He gave us new life. Through his resurrection, we are restored to God. Think about this for a minute. How can we not love our enemies if we were once enemies of God ourselves? And now we are his children. How can we not give our shirt and our coat too if Jesus gave everything? How can we not walk the extra mile for someone when Jesus was willing to carry the cross? It doesn't make me feel guilty. The emotions that I feel right now are not guilt or obligation. I cannot believe that God would love me that much. And he loves you that much too. And the life that he calls you to live is because you want to respond to God in love. It's a life of surrender. It's a life of obedience. When George Washington became president of the United States and then he became a president in a second term, and a third term. And when he got to his fourth term, the people who were governing, governing our nation at the time said, this guy is so good at this. We should just make him king. He should just be emperor. How short-sighted were these people? 
they just left an empire and broke away from one, and then they're looking at George Washington and saying, you should be king. George III was the king of England at this time, and he caught wind that Washington was most likely going to turn this offer down. And he is quoted as saying this, if he turns down this offer, if he declines the offer or the position of emperor, he will be the greatest man to ever live. If we were to decline the way that we think we should live, and we were to accept the offer or the life that God lays out for us through his son Jesus, the world would look in on us, and they would not see us, but they would see something great in the heart of 